Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com slash Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. One of the key themes and one of the key plot points and trajectories in Ursula K. Le Guin's novel, A Wizard of Earthsea, has to do with this entity, and we can't even call it a creature necessarily, that is brought not into being, but at least into the world of Earthsea through the agency of the young wizard, Sparrowhawk or Ged. And it, it starts to be prefigured early on in chapter two. And then we see more prefiguration in chapter three. And then finally in chapter four, it is brought through a rift that we'll explore in just a moment between the worlds of life and death, between light and darkness. And it's an enigmatic entity. You can't even say creature because was it created by anything? Nobody really knows. Can it be named? Can it not be named? There's a lot of uncertainty about it, but there is one thing that is clear. It is evil and it wants to do evil through young Ged or Sparrowhawk. And so if we're looking just at, well, what kind of creature is this and how does it get here? There's some things that we can explore. In chapter two, when Ged is studying with Ogion, the mage of Realbi on the island of Gaunt, he is cajoled into doing a spell or researching a spell rather by a young daughter of an enchantress who may be partly a, a witch herself at this point. Ogion says the girl herself is half a witch herself. And, and what happens? He's being goaded. And so he goes to looking for a spell of self-transformation and he can't find what he's looking for. These books were very ancient, Ogion having them from his own master, Haleth Farseer, and Haleth from his master, the mage of Paragal, so back into the times of myth. And so Ged is trying to read these. As he read it, puzzling out the runes and symbols one by one, a horror came over him. His eyes were fixed and he could not lift them till he had finished reading all the spell. And there's a couple things going on here. So he's being compelled in a certain way, but this sensation of horror, this affect, that is going to run throughout this. And it's kind of a warning. Oh, you're dealing with this, this bad thing. Here's how it continues. Then raising his head, he saw it was dark in the house. He'd been reading without any light in the darkness. He could not now make out the runes when he looked down at the book. Yet the horror grew in him, seeming to hold him bound in his chair. He was cold. Looking over his shoulder, he saw that something was crouching beside the closed door. A shapeless clot of shadow darker than the darkness. It seemed to reach out towards him and to whisper and to call him in a whisper. But he could not understand the words. And he's saved here by Ogion coming in. The door was flung wide. A man entered with a white light flaming about him. A great bright figure who spoke aloud fiercely and suddenly the darkness and the whispering ceased and were dispelled. 
And Ojeon actually tells him, you will never work that spell, but in peril of your power and your life. Was it for that spell you opened the books? And Gen says, no, no, I was looking for a different spell. Sorry about that. All right, so that is, is something really important. And then this comes up again in chapter three, when Ged is studying with the master summoner. And it's going to be this spell again. Right? Actually, this is in, in the very beginning of chapter four. I take that back. So here's how it reads. As for the calling of real things and living people and the raising up of spirits of the dead and the invocations of the unseen, those spells which are the height of the summoner's art and the mage's power, those he, meaning the master summoner, scarcely spoke of them, uh, of to them. Once or twice, Ged tried to lead him to talk a little of such mysteries, but the master was silent, looking at him long and grimly till Ged grew uneasy and said no more. The master summoner or doesn't want to go into the conversations. Sometimes, indeed, he, Ged, was uneasy working even such lesser spells as the summoner taught him. There were certain runes on certain pages of the lore book that seemed familiar to him that we did not remember in what book he'd ever seen them before. There were certain phrases that must be said in spells of summoning that he did not like to say. They made him think for an instant of shadows in a dark room, of a shut door, and shadows reaching out to him, from the corner by the door. Hastily put such thoughts or memories aside and went on. These moments of fear and darkness, he said to himself, were merely the shadows of his ignorance. The more he learned, the less he would have to fear until finally in his full power as wizard, he need fear nothing in the world, nothing at all. And this is something that Ged is telling himself about the dangers of the shadows. He's going to be very, very wrong, as we find out. In chapter four, we have this wizard's duel between the well-positioned from a noble background, ahead of Ged in many respects, youth Jasper, who's been kind of a jerk to him throughout this time from the very moment that Ged walked into Rogue and the raw, more powerful, uh, coming from a low class and humble background, Ged, who is still filled with pride. There is a wizard's duel between the two of them. And Ged is once again goaded into doing something that he should not do. But this time it's on a large larger scale. So what we find is Ged casting a spell of summoning. And who is he summoning? He is summoning a spirit from the dead and not just any old spirit from the dead, that of Elphiron. And she does in fact appear as we find out. The shapeless mass of darkness he had lifted split apart. It sundered in a pale spindle of light gleamed between his opened arms, a faint oval reaching from the ground up to the height of his raised hands. In the oval of light for a moment there moved a form, a human shape, a tall woman looking back over her shoulder. Her face was beautiful and sorrowful and full of fear. This is Alpharon. Only for a moment did the spirit glimmer there. And then something else comes through, something else which is going to be the shadow, a clot, as she describes it, of black shadow comes through. Through the rent in the darkness of the earth and night, a ripping open of the fabric of the world. Through it blazed a terrible brightness. Through that bright misshapen breach clambered something like a clot of black shadow, quick and hideous, and it leaped straight at Ged's face. Staggering under the weight of the thing, Ged gave a short, hoarse scream. The little Otak, his creature, watching from Vetch's shoulder, the animal that had no voice, screamed aloud, and also it leaped as if to attack. Ged fell, struggling and writhing, while the bright rip in the world's darkness above widened and stretched. So things are getting bigger. There's more of a danger here. The boys that 
that watched fled. Jasper bent down to the ground, hiding his eyes. Vetch alone ran to his friend, so only he saw the lump of shadow that clung to Ged, tearing at his flesh. It was like a black beast the size of a young child, though it seemed to swell and shrink and had no head or face, only four taloned paws with which it gripped and tore. Vetch sobbed with horror, yet he put his hands out to pull the thing away from Ged. Before he touched it, he was bound, still unable to move. The intolerable brightness faded. Slowly, the torn edges of the world closed together. Nearby, a voice was speaking as softly as a tree whispers or a fountain plays. And this is the Archmage, Nemerle, using his power to heal this rift in the world itself and to dispel the shadow beast from Ged. It takes off and it's still out there in the world. This also brings about the death of the Archmage, Nemerle, and his successor, Genshur, explains to Ged after Ged is recovered. It takes a long time for him to recover as well. He tells him some explanations of it. Nemerle says, Nothing protects you but the power of the masters here and the defenses laid on this island that keep the creatures of evil away. If you left now, the thing you loosed would find you at once and enter into you and possess you. You would be no man but a gebeth, the term that Ursula K. Le Guin comes up with here, right? A puppet doing the will of the evil shadow which you raised into the sunlight. So the evil shadow is no longer just a shadow. It can take possession of people and use them for its own purposes. And a Gebeth of an ordinary person would be bad enough. A Gebeth of a wizard armed with all of that knowledge and control over magical things, that would be a catastrophe for Earthsea. So Ged actually says, better I had died. And Genshur says, who are you to judge that? You for whom Nemerle gave his life. Uh, you're going to do your work. He also tells him another thing too. And this is really quite important. Why did things go so badly? Well, you could say that the rot was already there in the attempt to use Ged to bring the shadow in to control him on the part of the Enchantress back in Gaunt. But things have gotten worse here. Genshur says, You have great power inborn in you. You used that power wrongly. You abused your power. To work a spell over which you had no control, not knowing how that spell affects the balance of light and dark, life and death, good and evil. Now, Genshur doesn't know that this is already a spell that has been planted in Ged's mind earlier on in chapter two, but he does know that Ged is sort of what we, you know, sometimes refer to as a loose cannon. Right? And he goes on and he says, You were moved to do this by pride and by hate. Is it any wonder the result was ruin? And there's an important lesson here. When you're motivated by these negative affects, even good magic can go bad. It's probably worse when it's already kind of risky, dangerous magic. Finally, he says, You summoned a spirit from the dead. Okay, so you succeeded in that part of the spell. But with it came one of the powers of unlife. This is different than a spirit of the dead. This is a entity that has, that didn't live at one time. It's unlife. It's the opposite of life. And he says, uncalled, it came from a place where there are no names. Evil, it wills to work evil through you. The power you had to call it gives it power over you. You are connected. So this is setting the stage for the rest of the work. While Ged is still engaged in his studies, we find two important things that add a little bit more information. There is a story in one of the lore books. 
It says, from the masters and from ancient lore books, Ged learned what he could about such beings as this shadow he had loose. Little was there to learn. No such creature was described or spoken of directly. There were at best hints here and there in the old books of things that might be like the shadow beast. It was not a ghost of a human man, nor was it a creature of the old powers of Earth. Yet it seemed it might have some link with these. In the matter of the dragons, which Ged read very closely, there was a tale of an ancient dragon lord who had come under the sway of one of the old powers, a speaking stone that lay in a far northern land. And we're going to get introduced to this later on as the Terranon, right? At the stone's command, said the book, he did speak to raise up a dead spirit out of the realm of the dead, but his wizardry being bent awry by the stone's will, there came with it the dead spirit, a thing not summoned, which did devour him from within, and in his shape walked, destroying man. But the book did not say what the thing was, nor did it tell the end of the tale. So that's a key bit of information there. We also find out the masters don't really know that much about it. They don't know where a shadow might come from. The art mage had said from unlife, whatever that is. The wrong side of the world, said the master changer. The master summoner says, I don't know. I don't know where this thing comes from. And the summoner tells him a few things that are very important as well. He says... The summoner was grim and grave as ever, but Ged now knew his compassion and loved him well. I don't know. I know of the thing only this. Only a great power could have summoned up such a thing. Perhaps only one power, only one voice, your voice. But what in turn that means, I do not know. You will find out. You must find out or die and worse than die. And there we get a reference back to what Ged thought as, as a young man. You thought as a boy that a mage is one who can do anything. So I thought once, so did we all. And the truth is that as a man's real power grows and as his knowledge widens, ever the way he can follow grows narrower until at last he chooses nothing, but does only and wholly what he must do. Very interesting thing to say, is it not? So Ged now is on a path tied to this shadow being that he has brought forward. Being a mage doesn't mean being able to do anything and not fearing anything. As a matter of fact, he now has his destiny, at least a part of it, the destiny that we find elaborated through the rest of A Wizard of Earthsea, set out for him by this action of bringing the shadow into being. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, Keep studying these great philosophical works.